Questa è Radio 502. Questa è Radio 502. Hey, welcome back to 502 Radio. It's been a minute again, but we're back. You'll probably be pleased to know there'll be a lot more 502 Radio coming out in the next couple months. We're going to chop and change the format a little bit just to see what works better for us. Obviously, Arjun's moved to Australia. Big up, Arjun. Hope you're having a great time. So you might hear a little bit less of him. There might be a few episodes of him where it's just him on his own, doing it, flying solo. Either way, regardless of the changes, there should be some good things to come. But 502 Radio will always be a good life choice. We'll also be releasing the second issue of 502 in print, physical, in your hands. It's taken a little bit longer than we would have liked, but you know, sometimes you have to wait for these kind of good things. So watch out for that. Dropping soon near you. We've grown up a little bit more with this issue, and the stories have come from further afield. Our team in Tokyo did an interview with the founder of Nanamica. We've also got a story from New York, where we've interviewed performance eyewear and mindfulness brand District Vision. Sounds a bit potentially goopy, but you know, this is the most legit kind of application of mindfulness to performance that certainly I've ever heard of, and it makes for a really good read. We take a trip to Vienna to check the guys who run BBUC, the only cycling brand worth knowing. We also talk to Benedict Radcliffe, who makes wireframe models of your favorite cars. Really beautiful, really interesting design. We met him in his uh, light industry factory he works from. We've also got an interview with David Kite, who runs Universal Works, where we touch on everything from the history of the brand, what is it like getting started, where he is now and collaborating with the likes of Adidas and Birkenstock and running a big international fashion brand. We also explore getting out of the city through a photo shoot called Earthly Pleasures that we shot in Epping Forest. There's a bunch of other really great stuff in there, so keep your eyes peeled for the next issue of 502. But for now, we'll go back to the podcast. In this episode of 502 Radio, we're talking to Abraham Campillo from Mouthwash. Mouthwash is an LA-based studio that has a beautiful and super current aesthetic from the projects to the merch that they put out. Abe and I have been following each other on Instagram for a while now. He'd sent me over a relaunch he'd worked on for furniture designer Shinokuda, whose studio is called Wacka Wacka. We actually featured the project in issue 2 of 502. It's part of a global creative survey that we've done. Abraham also mood boards every day. So we kind of talk about forming habits and creativity, what his favourite ice cream is, of course we do the starter pack meme, and we also talk about what it's like to turn a passion project into a job. So, anyway, let's get into it. This is 502 Radio. Still a little early over here, but... Yeah, yeah. What time is it? I was... It's 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah, fair. Are you a morning person or an evening person? I kind of force myself to be a morning person. About wake up about 7 a.m. during weekdays, but weekends I like to sleep in a little bit, so I actually got up at 10 today. Oh, nice. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for the early start. Um, yeah, cool. What have you been up to, man? How have you been? Um, been busy, man. Uh, we, we just launched uh, mouthwash.co. Or I should say relaunch, but um, we released the apparel and um, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff we've been working finally. You know, we can finally show it off, you know, so the apparel and the website and, and even the magazine, um, that's been taking up a lot of our time. Um and then also like the studio portion, like we, we have a lot of, you know, ongoing clients. So, so that's pretty much been my life the last few months. Yeah, man. It looks, the new website looks amazing. I was looking at it. I was like, like checking it out before we hopped on this call. I was looking at it. I was like, damn, 
this all looks so so nice like it's really really well done the merch looks really cool too man appreciate that man yeah um something we really wanted to be strategic with because like you know for example like you you know you're in um uk but you're able to interact with the brand or at least experience something with it um so we wanted to make a good you know, online experience knowing that there's people that you know aren't going to be able to be in la or, or even in the united states for that matter so yeah i think that that was just like the hardest part is you know how can we make something that we'll be proud of that's going to live online, you know? Yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. And it kind of has to, like, translate across, yeah, like you say, across, like, different people and in different places. But it's cool, man. And then is the magazine an online magazine or is it physical too? Um, that one's purely physical. We'll release it in December, so um, here in a few weeks. And and I'm really proud of that one just because it's, I think, anyone that's, you know, seen the, the first one, which we're really proud of but you know it just it, there's like a huge gap of growth that I, that I personally feel from the first and second issue so pretty proud about that one and and the first one did really great and it kind of helped jumpstart everything but but the second one's going to be I think even better I, I can completely relate to that that's so sick I went to go and try and I saw I think I saw a preview or something on Instagram or a little something like that mm-hmm. I went to go and try and buy it like the other day but I'll, I'll hold that <laughs> when it comes out it, I'm excited to see it. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, like, likewise with yours. Okay, yeah. I was curious. Where did you find out about it? Was it just like on Instagram or? Yeah, yeah, on Instagram. I think Andy from Active Accounts had posted something about it, and then a few other people that I follow. Yeah, I think you even did. A, did you do a podcast with somebody else? I'm trying to remember who it was. I did. I was on Andy's podcast, okay. and I was on Macon. That's where it was. Yeah, yeah, the Macon. Yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and then I obviously I do this podcast as well. That's awesome. But yeah, man, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to be on this side of the, you know. Yeah, man, interview. it's funny. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, because I've I've very much had that experience where you're on one side and then you kind of practice the kind of working out what questions to ask and like structuring it in a certain way. And then when people ask you those questions, when you say stuff out loud, sometimes I've been like, oh, this is this is really like interesting that I'm working out what I think about something as I'm talking. It's kind of, kind of interesting like that. So is this the first kind of thing like this you've done? Or? Um, yeah, for the most part, all the, I, mean, I know Andy, we're doing a podcast with Andy, but um, we haven't yet. But for the most part, any podcasting I've done, I've been on the other side, which to be honest, I feel like I'm more nervous when I'm the one interviewing someone rather than being asked the questions. Cause I think it's just pretty much just like um, you just have to be yourself and you have no control over like yeah. um, anything else. So you're kind of like pretty stoic and just relaxed versus like when I'm interviewing someone, I like really want the interview to go well and, you know, um, yeah, exactly. have to craft the questions and the, the tone and all that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like the one that always gets me is I could be interviewing one of my friends and I'd still be like, oh my God, I hope like all the equipment works and like... <laughs> the questions don't sound stupid when i say them out loud like you have that kind of it's almost like before you get on stage or something not that i've ever performed anything on a stage but you know what i mean like exactly dude yeah. i've had some nightmares with with uh gear and equipment when it comes to podcasting or, or even just like internet connection but you know we make it work yeah and i think there's definitely in podcasting i feel like there's an interesting like there's a tolerance for the audio not being super, super high quality. Like if you can hear the chat 
then you're okay pretty much and that's like it might not sound super polished but it'll still work exactly yeah but yeah it it, it kind of sucks like sometimes when we're interviewing people it's like we have no control over like what they're using like most people don't we can't expect them to have a, a microphone or you know yeah, sometimes they're yeah, just literally yeah, in a closet <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and it's like um it's like it has weird podcasts are strange man it's like the barrier to entry is so low but the barrier to doing something in a prof- professional kind of way is kind of really high you know what exactly. i mean like if you were to rent uh like audio space or something every single one and like a, a podcast studio every time you went to record an episode that would be expensive quickly but exactly are you are you ready to start like officially yeah let's do it man are you familiar with starter pack memes? Yeah. This one's actually really funny because someone asked me this the other day. <laughs> and and people that know me know know that this is pretty accurate. I'll just I'll just do like food and fashion for right now. I would say a starter pack for me would be the mouthwash acrylic case, like the cigarette case. I've been rocking that one. Um, drumsticks, which is like a I don't know if you have them in the UK, but they're like the just sweet like, or the actual sticks they're like ice cream they're just oh, like no, OG. go on go on you say what it is and i'll tell you what it is in the uk afterwards it's just like the traditional like og like ice cream super classic but i just grew up eating that and that's something i'll, I'll always have on on deck what's it in uk it's a really cheap kind of like do you know what i mean when i say a lolly like it's a hard candy that's in a kind of rectangle shape on a little stick oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like a really young kid that's definitely but, not it <laughs> no. <laughs> okay what kind of ice cream is it how do you describe I mean, it's, it it's literally just vanilla with like i don't know if it's like nuts or walnuts or whatever like little it's like sprinkled all over but it's like super classic and um, okay like a waffle and cone a, uh, okay yeah, yeah yeah like in a cone and you get it like at like a store or you'd go somewhere specific to get yeah it. you can literally get anywhere but i would say that and dallas cowboys t-shirt like a vintage t-shirt big cowboys fan so i'll probably wear that about once a week also Have you got more than one? i do i do the sweatshirt as well what's the collection saying well the thing is lately i've been giving a lot of friends because we all watch it together so i've been getting other people but i have about like four shirts right now and what are the um, colors blue and white they're all kind of like almost like acid wash old like 80s shirts another thing i would add in a starter pack is blue gatorade which i don't again i don't know if they they should have that in the uk but i don't know if they yeah do. like i mean i definitely know what that is okay, what cool. flavor is the blue one it's just the cool blue i was expecting you to say like blueberry or like something <laughs> like that it's like cool blue kind of uh, like fashion wise oh. i bought some like military boots from the like army navy surplus store and i've been really digging those and then also like i think it's called like the nike daybreak they like just came back but they look like the internationals the old like vintage running yeah. shoes that's right how many have you got now i think you might be on to five so the mouthwash acrylic box what do you keep in it uh some camel reds oh nice and it's actually cigarette box sized yeah it, okay, it's perfect. So, okay so it's that the dallas cowboys t-shirt the cool blue gatorade and what was the what was there another one the day breaks and something else the drumsticks. the drumsticks yeah okay so are you happy with that or do you want to put the nike in for something else no no, no i'm pretty happy with that obviously like a child so <laughs> a child that smokes the best kind <laughs> do they have camel reds in with a k not with the c in uh uk wait what with it like it's a like a brand. brand yeah it's like they're oh i've never heard of them 
Like okay. Camel Blues, yeah. And then like when I smoke, that's usually what I smoke. No, it must be an American one. And then, okay, so the next question's like, I think you started getting into it a little bit, but like, what are you into right now? What are you kind of like fucking with? I really like, do you follow Caleb Flowers? He like runs Haffenbrook. Yeah, I really like what he's been doing. I just ordered some Chobies from him. I also just discovered a brand called Motherland. Make some really cool stuff. Okay, uh, cool. A friend, friend of a mouthwash, uh, Sam Jane, has been dropping some some really good apparel. I would check him out. Okay. He has a store called okay. Jam Store. Okay, cool. And how do you spell it? What's his? How do you spell his name? Sam. S A M J A Y N E. Nice. And what kind of apparel? What kind of things has he been making? I don't know. I feel like he's pretty exploratory. Like he just kind of has fun with it, and you can kind of tell in his design, but. Yeah, his work's phenomenal. It's like a mixture of modern and vintage. Yeah, that's super cool, man. He's just a really talented guy, but yeah, he's, he's local. And you're based in LA, and is <laughs> that where you grew up? I actually grew up in Dallas, Texas. Makes um, a lot of sense for the Cowboys thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I so moved out here about three years ago, um, and then that's kind of how Mouthwash started. I met Alex and... Um, he had just moved from Chicago and then met Mackenzie, even though we had been following each other, you know, online for feels like forever now. But so moved moved out here three years ago and then started the magazine and the podcast. And then even just as recently started this mouthwash studio, which is like more client facing. So you moved out there and then what was the conversation? Were you like, cool guys, I'm here. I'm ready to start doing some cool stuff. And they were like, yeah. So I actually came on to Mouthwash. I was the last person. There was at the time there was three people. They hadn't started anything. I think it, they had tried to do a blog, and but there were just conversations of like wanting to do stuff. We're all working at agencies separately, but knew we wanted to work together, and we knew we wanted to work alongside each other because we're all friends. So for the first year, me and Alex actually did the podcast in LA, and then Mackenzie and. Evan, who used to be in Mouthwash, kind of spearheaded the magazine. And then Mackenzie actually moved to L.A. And so we were able to do everything here. And then, you know, from there, that's kind of brought us to a year later where we, we have the magazine, the podcast, but we were getting hit up for like actual client work and got to the point where we were working so much after our like actual agency jobs that we had to just quit and just do it full time. That's so sick that it went like kind of went that way naturally for you guys and to be doing it all with all your bros as well. It's pretty, pretty dope, man. I would say it's mouthwash is like the three of us, but we definitely have a lot of people that we work with and collaborate because Lord knows we wouldn't be able to do it just by us three. I think last time I checked, we had like 16 vendors that we actively work with. Oh, damn. So you guys are pretty big. Like, do you do anything independently now or are you just that's it? That's you guys full time kind of thing. It's pretty much just that full time. I think anything independently is always kind of like a passion project. I think those are really healthy and, you know, kind of good for our own creative sanity. But I think that's how Mouthwash started. You know, it was just kind of like a passion project, you know, experiment that turned into like a dream. Yeah, man. I was going to say, wait, how old are you? They're like 26. Yeah. Okay. So it's like the, the, the millennial dream is to turn your kind of like side hustle into something full time, right? Exactly. Yeah, man. Congratulations on that. That's that's. Big gas. I'm happy for sure. Okay. A long ways to go, but yeah, I think I think the hardest part was just getting like the infrastructure and in place to where you could scale, and then even just build like a core following of like you know people that kind of been there from the beginning and want to see you grow and succeed and and 
and tell other people. But yeah. And have you got like, have you got like dream clients? Like if Dallas Cowboys were going to. I mean, that would be, th- that would definitely be a dream client, but I, I wouldn't say I have like one specific dream client in mind. I think we talk about this pretty frequently is like, we really just want to put ourselves in a position where people come to us and we help their brand grow no matter what it is. And, and I think that will speak more to rather than like one big client that's already big coming to us and we're kind of just maintaining. So it's almost like we'd rather work with the smaller guys and help them get big, which we're actually, I feel like seeing where a lot of like the modern brands are are coming to us. That's actually like literally, I think the dopest answer you could have ever possibly said to that question. How does the Wacka Wacka and Shin stuff fit in? Shin's actually a like super talented um, furniture designer and just overall good person um, but he's based in LA and and I actually met up with him because I, I loved his his work and wanted to me and Ben actually wanted to do a, a furniture project as soon as I met him we just kind of hit it off the bat and knew knew we wanted to work together didn't know what what it was um, but we wanted to work on something it was actually in the same time that his 10 year anniversary was coming up. So that's kind of, kind of how everything started is just through conversation. Who's Ben Mingo and how did you meet him? So me and Ben actually worked together at basic agency in San Diego a few years ago. And now he he's actually in Amsterdam working at random studio, but we, we got along really well. I think during our time there and now we've worked on like four projects together. Yeah. Some, someone that, you know, has been really cool to work with and, and, just like the projects that we've done, I think even this last year have been some of my favorites. So, so yeah, we, we met at work, but it kind of continued that relationship after. How does it break down as in who, who's doing what? So he's doing all the kind of web design and like the website, if it is him, is so nice. Again, I feel like everything you're touching that I'm seeing at the moment is is a banger. What's your element of it and what's his element of it? One of the things that I really like about working with Ben is I think stylistically we're very similar and like taste wise, but it's it's very collaborative when it's just the two of us. So I would say I handle a lot of the content and obviously photography and, and all that stuff that goes in the sites. And then he really leads the graphic design and, and all that. We always partner up with the developer, like whether it's Ari or Jason, they're all great and amazing but yeah it's, it's pretty collaborative when you have such a small team even like on the photography side like we we mood board and kind of add things and same with design and even like the way it's presented which is super important yeah of course you can kind of tell that you've done projects together and stuff it's super cool why did you want to do a furniture project i think we both did i've been mood boarding about every day for the last year and i think a that's really good thing to do and everyone should be doing it but I caught myself like mood boarding a lot of furniture um, and I never f- had photographed furniture or fine art, you know, in general, it's, it had been ma- mainly just like portraits or fashion or client work, you know, et cetera, et cetera, product, but never really like in, in that sense. Um, so this project was really interesting to me because um, it kind of challenged me to like, yeah, it could be as simple as just, you know, whatever, but through like multiple reference points and looking back at old imagery and, and trying to recreate it came this project so i should have done this at the start but your background is you're like a trained photographer or did you teach yourself or i actually went to school for advertising with a concentration in art direction but i've been shooting since i was about i'd say, I'd say 15 16 so 
started pretty young and it's kind of feels like second nature at this point but there's definitely i think growth in in the way things are presented or even one of the, one of the things that i've been really trying to focus on this last year is making projects that aren't just you know a, a series or something that kind of live with with other things that make it something larger that will withstand time um so for example like the walker project i think is a really good example of that because we had the interview that kind of like shed light into shin's thought process in life that oftentimes people don't really get to see oftentimes you you kind of just see see the surface level uh like kind of work through the design and the web, even the web interaction we, we were able to build something that was pretty innovative and, and unique and something that we're proud of so yeah that's sick because i was thinking like with the interview you've almost like created it's like an online exhibition do you know what i mean like exactly. it's like it could be in a gallery and the interview could be the little bit of writing next to the image or the actual furniture but the way you've done it, it kind of like it really kind of feels like that it's really really nice and it was just fun like we we made t-shirts sold out of them but like that was kind of like the whole emphasis was like this is a reflection of his work to date so the website is like a good reflection of his work to date the t-shirts you know were just a fun like one-off thing um even the posters and we're actually making a catalog, so like a printed catalog, um, which huge inspiration was the like 19, I think 88 or 1990 Comme des Garçons furniture catalog. Um, oh, man. Have you seen it? <laughs> uh, not specifically that. I'm, li- I'm literally Googling it now. But, um, <laughs> so I've been to a couple of art fairs recently, and there's been people who have been selling those kind of calm lookbooks, the like early 90s late 80s kind of stuff and they're like so expensive to buy but so beautiful to look at but yeah go on what tell me what it's like dover street might have actually dover street in london might have it but i don't know because i knew the one in la had it for a little bit but anyways i i just have like a fascination with things that are able to withstand time because you know obviously we live in a world where trends are everywhere even Mm. if you look back in design photography like even a few years ago um you can kind of see people doing things that are kind of just trendy i think for me as an artist i've really had a fascination with things that are able to withstand time and um something like the come de garçon furniture catalog was, is like what 30 years old now and it's only like gained appreciation and value so that's the kind of work that we should kind of be striving for is, is kind of making things that aren't just going to live in the present but actually going to be able to age well yeah 100 percent. i completely could not agree with you more but if you're not saying anything or it's not of a certain quality, it's kind of like, what's the point, right? Exactly. And, and I've definitely been a victim of that where I was just making so much work. It was kind of wasted wasted energy because I didn't spend enough time in the initial part of the process, which was the thought, you know, thought and ideation part, which is most important, which is why, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of mood boarding because you kind of start to see what you want your work to look like and, if you do everything, yeah. anything for a day, you know, you're going to get really good at it. So, Real quick before I start asking you about your mood boarding thing, um, what was the concepting kind of like phase for you and Ben? No, we actually had, uh, we started an arena board, which I, I think, did you just start one? Bro, yeah, I followed you. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, I'm really into yeah, it. Yeah. I, I love arena. I think it's sick. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you can get in a black hole and just like lose yourself for an hour. So, so it's super fun. But yeah, we started an arena board originally of just like how the photos were going to look like. And then from there, once we actually, once I actually shot the stuff and picked out everything, we, we made posters and pulled a bunch of references of like what we wanted the posters to look like from, you know, how big they were going to be to how they were going to be presented and then moved on to the t-shirts. And then I felt like after that, we had a pretty good idea of what the project was going to look and feel like. And then from there, we started adding more references, but more more so web references for like how we wanted the website and the interview to look like. And we pulled in Bianca, who's the copy editor for Mouthwash Magazine, and she helped us a lot on the on the interview part so it all just kind of be seamless but yeah I, I would say like we kind of started off with just the photography and then posters and t-shirts and then from there everything else just started falling into place yeah that's sick so it kind of you did pictures and posters and t-shirts it's kind of a nice way to have done it that's cool interesting that you didn't like kind of go okay it's all gonna be like this and this is how it's gonna be start to finish it's kind of sounds nice that you kind of did it a little bit as you went along and i think it worked better that we started with the photos because then if you look at the typefaces that we use it kind of lends itself like you can start to see a little bit of the intricacies in the typefaces like the white ink trap i think was a great choice for this but ben really nailed it he went through a lot of options and before you finally landed out on that one but yeah I would say it's almost good that you start, even on websites, start with the content and even with like with the interview and everything before it starts to get designed. Okay, so the is that how you would usually work, or is that the first time that you've done it like that? Um, no, I, I would say we we've done that process before. We had done a project for artists uh, Shalu, and we we did the same thing where we kind of started off with just the photography and just to see how pair with you know the design and. You know, when you start off with just a blank slate, there's a many things you could do, but imagery to go go with mm. it, it kind of helps to see what's going to complement it better. You can have the the best photos, but if you have bad design, it's not going to work. You can have the best design, but if you have bad photos, it's just not going to work. So you kind of need both to kind of work synergistically. So now I want to ask you about the everyday mood board. So I have quite a lot of questions. One, are you making just like saving random images or are you making a whole mood board every single day? I'm kind of just saving things that I'm in some way inspired, whether it's something I want to make, whether it's the way it's the texture on it, the way it's presented, whether it's fashion, furniture, anything that's kind of just related with like a mood or your tone that I'm into, I kind of save. Um, one thing that I've really tried to do is just like, even if it's 30 minutes, just do it and make it a habit from the beginning of the year to now, which is almost the end of the year. I think I've saved over like 2000 images, but I would say it's forced me to really look outside of the things that I interact with on a daily basis. So not looking at like one place to find all my inspiration has been the most valuable thing because it's led me to so many other things I didn't even know existed. So I'm able to find and see more things, and which is almost like building up a database of, of references. If you were to look back on it from the start, are you kind of there, like, if you looked at the first couple, say, weeks you did it, do you think it would be, like, the same kind of fashion image, the same kind of, like, nice photo of a car or, like, some interesting furniture thing, and then, like, the more you get it, you're kind of going a little bit... Yeah, I would say there's definitely growth. Like, my, I can see, t- like growth in my taste from when I first started because I didn't even know what I was 
all was out there just because I hadn't forced myself to like really search for it. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's almost like an exercise of your taste. You know, just like you go to the gym and exercise, you, your taste needs to work in the same fashion where it's like if you want to be really good at something and I think in art direction and, and just directing in general, like you have to weed through a lot of things and be, be able to tell what's good and what's not. And the only way to do that is just consume a lot. And yeah, I've personally seen a lot of growth from when I first started to now. It's kind of blown my mind on a lot of different levels. One, that you've made a conscious decision to do that in that way, I think is really interesting. And the other is that you've stuck to it. Like, I feel like if it was me, I would have done like real good for a month and a half and then completely like collapsed and then like maybe a month later got back into it. But got a lot of respect for that. And then, so two more questions. One is, what's like a typical picture that would have been on the at the start of the year and what's a typical one now i mean i think from the beginning of year it would have been something that like i would have seen on instagram or pinterest or just something now i don't even use pinterest I actually hate pinterest so now it's probably like what i try to do is find new up-and-coming brands or new up-and-coming designers or etc etc music artists that are just doing cool things that maybe don't have the platform but just because they don't have the platform doesn't mean it's great i think a lot of the times the things that get the most attention or audience are perceived to be the best but that's not always the case so i really try to find those like little easter eggs or nuggets that are out there i can completely hear what you're saying when you kind of like you just want to delve into it a bit more and not like you say, like, it's so easy to see the same thing as everyone else on Instagram. And I also hate Pinterest. I'm completely with you there. Like, it's big trash, but it's like over and over again, same thing. Completely yeah. good. And, and I think the problem with platforms like that, or you're kind of, you don't really have control of what you're being exposed to. Like, you just kind of like, you hop on and type something and then it's kind of like curated for you. So you're not really searching, searching the best ways to just like, I mean, even arena boards, like you, you go into one thing and it'll lead you down 20 other arena boards that you never even thought of, but they're taken curated versus like a Pinterest. That's like, you know, more algorithm, which arena is a little bit more human. You know, yeah, people yeah, curating yeah. these rather than a bot. Yeah, exactly. And I think the interesting thing about arena is if you click the wrong thing, you just end up with like someone's screenshots of mostly text websites and you kind of, you found something that's completely not what you're looking for and it's not useful, but it's just interesting that that happens at all in this kind of age of algorithms and like curated feeds and stuff like exactly. that, right? Yeah, that's been the best way. It's just kind of, it's forced me to be disciplined and by being so, I, I think I'm a lot better at, you know, just taste in general and my ideas are a lot better versus when i was pulling from pinterest <laughs> yeah 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 and was there like did you have a period where you were like oh i just don't want to do any mood boarding like i just would love to not have to do it but i've committed to this thing definitely there's days where i just like <laughs> i just want to make stuff rather than like think about them but i try to even if it's at bare minimum just 10 minutes just to see what's going on because even like i'm just now curious when the people i follow sometimes will, will save stuff that are really interesting it's almost become part of like my morning ritual but yeah and it's also just i'm curious to see like the work that i'm making now like does it fit into the stuff that i'm mood boarding that's a really good way to dictate because it should you know eventually start to look like the stuff you're saving or wanting to make yeah, that's interesting. I've not really thought about it like that, but you're right. If you're saving all of these references, then it should make sense 
you should be able to put it on the mood board. The idea kind of came out of it. And I that's guess. honestly, like, that's what made me start is I was making work that I wasn't, it was close, but it wasn't there yet. And I wasn't like completely in love with it. So like just forcing myself to, to bring better ideas and bring better executions. I remember the first kind of mood boards I did, like, they didn't really make any sense. They were just 10 cool images that I liked. But now having done it quite a lot, I feel like if you can like convey an idea in five, six or seven images, then that's going to be like an actual idea. Maybe a little bit of this thing that's going on over here in this lens. And then that's it. That's what that and idea is. And in the same way, like a mood board will tell you what you want your work to look like. It'll also tell you what you don't want it to look like. So. It's a really good way to see if, like, if I'm going to work with someone, if I can just get a little insight on what they like and what they don't like, I can kind of tell, like, if it'll be a good fit or not. Because there's some people that are really talented, but stylistically, they just like different things than, than maybe I do. I had one more question about the Wacka Wacka thing. For and sure. that was, if you could pick one of the pieces to have in your flat now, is it a flat or a house or wherever you live? Is it um, flat, flat like an apartment? Yeah, sorry, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Sorry, your apartment. Yeah, um, uh, that's awesome that you guys have? call it flat. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I never know why, but yeah. So he's, he's actually building me a, like a day bed, like a studio bed. Um, oh. But I have I have like a like a bench that he made. He kind of like gifted it after all the all the work. But yeah, I would say day bed. Um, are you familiar with Donald Judd? Mm, no, not off the top of my head. Um, but he is one of my favorite furniture um, designers, but he would just have like a ton of day beds just kind of laying around, just take breaks during work. Um, and, and it's something that I really wanted to incorporate and just having that going forward wherever I live. I think I want like a just like a studio bed. And when you're saying studio bed, you mean literally just like... It's just like a twin bed that's like small and you can put anywhere, literally, because it's not taking up so much space. You can put anywhere. Okay. So, rest. <laughs> and then what do you do on it? Like you just kind of like sit there, maybe drink a coffee, watch the world go by. No, you can you can definitely sleep on that, literally. Naps and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like you have a kind of big lunch, and then you're there like, hold on, let me. Exactly. And is your studio in your place? No, no, no. But I think that would be crazy if we had it in the in the mouthwash studio. Yeah, that would be dope. <laughs> no, but maybe one day. I think one of the things for this next year that I'd love to do is have like a storefront or just like a, a bigger studio than we currently have. But, but yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, that would be sick. Well, like an actual like store storefront or just a studio that you can walk into. Yeah, exactly. We actually bid on one and then someone beat us to it. So we'll keep trying. But yeah, we were we were in the process of getting a actual storefront in L.A. Big. That's a big look. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. What would you have in that? I think the, the merch and the, the apparel and the magazine, obviously, we would we would use it as a working space as well because we do have, you know, like an yeah, yeah, yeah. office already that we're paying rent. So I think if we can kind of kill two birds with one stone and, and use it as a forward-facing, like, merch, magazine, apparel, all that stuff, store, and also as a agency studio, I think it would be worth it. Yeah, that would be epic. You stock, like, other stuff in there or would it just be um, mouthwash? That's something that we've been actually talking about. It's like we definitely – want to make stuff but we don't want to like it's not really 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's not really sustainable to just only keep making. Like it's just, it takes so much work to make something from beginning to end. So I think one of the things we really want to do is, is also bring other people because mouthwash itself has always been about our collaborators. I mean, from the podcast is like we, the people we interview the magazine, the contributors that contribute to the magazine, even the parallel people that we collaborate with. Like it's, it's never just been about us three. It's always about like the people that we work with. Coming 360, I guess, but it's a real nice step on to go from something that's been online and print to then having like a physical space. It's really interesting how you can translate that. That's cool, man. Yeah, it'll just be fun. Like it's a big step. So we definitely don't want to rush into it, but it's just fun to, to do stuff like that and then have, people from wherever that are able to come and meet us face to face would be really cool for sure especially in like a city like la where it's such a hub where people are constantly you know coming in and out yeah man, i didn't know that but i guess yeah i can see how it would be i guess like your case in point and do you think you'll stay in la for like forever or do you think you'd want to move somewhere else? i mean i hope so i hate moving so <laughs> i hope <laughs> i'll be here for a while but you know i think I'm not opposed to it down the road, but I definitely want to stay here for, for a few years. What's your order when you go to the coffee shop? I'm kind of psycho. I just like black coffee. Um, oh, man, same. I'm so glad you said that. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about asking you that, and I was there, like, if he comes out and says, like, a skinny something, whatever, latte. Vanilla latte. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kind of judge no. you or something. No, I just kind of grew up just drinking black coffee, so I'll do a drip or a pour over or iced Americano if it's, if it's really hot. Oh man, I do pour over, sometimes a little stovetop, definitely ice or cold brew in the summer. I was actually a barista while I was in college, so yeah, I mean, I should have put coffee in my starter pack if I was being honest. <laughs> no, that's all right, man. I think you had a pretty solid, pretty solid starter pack in. I've like, I have like about two, two to three cups a day, which is kind of bad, but yeah. Oh man, yeah, same. I had, do you have that thing where if you don't drink a coffee before like maybe 11.30 or 12, like I just start being horrible to people. Like, I'm really <laughs> awkward to be around. I'm just, no, but I'm just not as productive. And then, yeah. and I can notice it, which is really bad, but I just, for whatever reason, can't get it going in the same way as if I were like start my day early, wake up early, have coffee, and then just be productive right away. I know what you mean. It's like sometimes like if I... Yeah, exactly that. Like, I'll have a coffee and kind of get really energized about what's going on and have some cool ideas. And then the next day, won't drink a coffee and it just won't happen. And I'm there, like, oh man, I got to get the bean juice. Like, <laughs> the bean Yeah, okay. Well, cool, man. Can you say what's going to be in the new issue of the magazine? Yeah, so we have um, a through line that kind of is all about home and what it means to people because everyone has a, a different description or definition of what home means to them so we really kind of wanted to challenge artists and how they would present it in both visually and even just through words something i'm really excited about and i feel like i feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to in some way you know what kind of artists have you got in it and like is it mostly images or is it a mix yeah so it's it's mainly photography but there are some spreads there's just design and, and a few explorations but we for this one we wanted to keep it pretty simple and not try to be too fancy because that can also be almost like a negative thing in design when people try to do too much sometimes it's just better to just kind of let the uh, images and words speak for themselves and then just kind of almost just be sub supplemental in design and do you shoot stuff for it as well 
I did, yeah. So it kind of started as we made the magazine so we could do stuff that was going to live outside of just Instagram or, you know, or a website. You know, it's, it's it's good to make something that can just sit on, like, your parents' coffee table or something. But I can completely relate. That's more or less exactly why I launched Fiverr, too. There you go. Okay, cool. And then where can people follow you on? What's the best case if anyone wants to get in contact or buy the magazine? Um, so we'll have the mouthwash at, on, like, the actual mouthwash.co site. We'll kind of, like, start to tease it on the mouthwash mouthwash instagram it's mouthwash without an a though because the person that owns that handle won't sell it to us and then what about for you personally um just my first and last name abraham campillo campillo spelled with two l's i think that kind of wraps it up bro thank you for thank having you so, me thank you so much for your time really appreciate it sorry we got you up in the morning it's always a pleasure to hop on and, and just just have conversations with people yeah man super fun yeah. Definitely. It's nice to like put a voice to the profile and like actually speak to you and stuff. It's, it's been really interesting. Exactly. And if you're ever in LA, man, um, I think it'd be great to meet up. And likewise, if I'm, where are you in London or? Yeah, yeah, in London. Yeah, if you're in London, man, like definitely shout me. I'll do sure. the same for you. I um, yeah, I was in LA two years ago. So yeah, I kind of maybe do a, do a trip, but yeah, man. we'll see. We'll see. Sounds great, dude. Well, thanks again, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Peace. All right. Peace. Have a good one, bro. Thanks for listening to another episode of 502 Radio. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Give us a follow on Instagram at the 502 Bad Gateway. You'll also be able to buy a print issue if you want to support the cause at 502badgateway.bigcartel.com. Feel free to slide into a DM or get in touch if that's what you want to do. We're always looking for good conversations. Thanks to Ben Sandal for doing the music. Thanks to our esteemed guests for being on and you, the listener, for making it this far. This has been a 502 Radio production. Please sponsor us. We need new clothes. Please sponsor us. 502 Radio. It's a good life choice.